Hello and welcome to the DMA Politics Podcast. My name is Michael Sturrock. I am the Public Affairs Manager here at the DMA. If this is your first time tuning in, very welcome to you. Um, we generally run through what's been happening in the uh, political landscape over the past few weeks and it's actually been quite a while since we've recorded a podcast. So there's a couple of things to go through, but also it's the summer, things are a bit of a lull. Nonetheless, we will have a new Prime Minister within a week, so there's something to talk about at least. Um, as usual, we are um, using the hashtag DMA PollPod. So if you are listening to this and fancy giving us a tweet, please do. You can tag the DMA account as well. It is at DMA underscore UK. Uh, but yes, just use the hashtag, tag us, and we'll respond to you with any questions, whatever. Just give us a shout. Uh, it's an extra special podcast today because, uh, for one thing, we're in Edinburgh. Usually we are recording for the DMA offices. And for another thing, I have two very special guests with me who are currently taking selfies just now, but that's absolutely fine. So my first guest <laughs> is uh, the current chair of DMA Scotland, Firaz Khneser, who we've just been giving, le- he's giving us lessons on how to actually say his last name properly. And we're all leaning in for a selfie, fabulous. Firaz, who are you, what do you do? Uh, I am Firaz Khneser, Khneser. Yeah. yeah. I am uh, Head of Decisioning at Standard Life and I'm Chair of DMA Scotland. Mm. Uh, I also happen to be one of the top 100 data dudes in the UK. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. So, um, yeah, I do data, Mm -hmm. I do marketing, I do music, and I do film, Mm -hmm. and I do being a father. and uh, I'm, a, I'm a close friend of uh, Rob Huggins. Who, incidentally, uh, is our second guest. Yeah. Which is absolutely amazing. Rob, who on earth are you and why are Sorry, you here? But could I say something? Is that, is that um, Rob is one of the top 100 as well. So it might be a shock to right. guess that you have that much celebrity so basically, all at once. Basically, I'm definitely not one of the top 100 selfie takers in the year. No, no goodness no, me, no, this is really unimpressive, actually. No, they're not really yeah, they're working, not, are they? They're not working in. So, Rob, tell me a bit about yourself. What's your, uh, um, what you do? Well, as, as Faraz said, I'm, I, I'm one of the top 100 influential people in data and analytics in the UK. Did you know that, Faraz? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I read your name on the list. That's right. I yeah. think we were at the same awards list? ceremony. So. Um, My name's Rob Huggins. Uh, I work for a business called MBN Solutions. Um, I am Director of Academy and Client Services there, where I do lots of amazing work with talent in the data space all over the UK and beyond, from a base in Glasgow. Um, I'm, I'm a dad, I'm also a grandfather, I'm also a musician, and I'm really bad at doing selfies. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. So, uh, how this is going to work, I'm going to basically just run through a couple of things. We won't take too long in the political stuff because the really interesting stuff is, as I say, we've got two of the, you know, they might might not have mentioned, but the two of the people, the top data people in the UK here. So, we really want to hear much more from them. Um, Going forward, we want to do a lot more conversations with uh, DMA members, people, uh, who have an interest in data, have an interesting thing, anything interesting to say at all. So please do get in touch if you think you should be on this podcast and have something that you want to say. And if you're um, in the data IQ 100. Well, yeah. that, that, that is yeah, yeah, the yeah, exclusive yeah, yeah. criteria, yeah. So really, we've only got 98 more episodes to go if we But I think them what you'll probably notice is that next time just have one data yeah, IQ 100 yeah. in a yeah. podcast, because okay. I think two is just going to be just too much, yeah. Yeah, too crowded. If you add your two numbers together, what mm-hmm. do you reach? 200.
data influencers and practitioners Brilliant. in the UK. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll add that up. Uh-huh. Fair enough. I'll give you that. All right. So, first of all, we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening at the moment um, back in the real world uh, of politics because we are within the last week of the Tory leadership contest, which is... Well, which means by a week today we will have a new Prime Minister and if the polls are to be late to be believed and they probably are given the number of people taking the pictures of their Conservative Party ballots on Twitter, it will be Prime Minister Boris Johnson next week, which is um, a prospect which was not likely a year ago today, but nonetheless these times are not normal. So this has a fair few number of implications for our sector in particular. Boris Johnson is publicly is saying that he is not afraid of a no-deal Brexit, which again is something that a year ago we were not thinking would be likely or possible, um, given the efforts that Parliament have gone to to try and put, keep this off the table. But really, if Boris Johnson is Prime Minister next next week, then we have to consider this a real possibility. And as we said before in the, the podcast, we have lots of things online on the DMA website about how to prepare yourself for Brexit in general, but also no-deal. We have a DMA toolkit. Uh, it's currently only accessible for members, but do feel free to give me an email and I'll maybe uh, let you know some of the wisdom that is uh, held with, uh, in it. So my email is michael.sturrock at dma.org.uk. Um, yes, so please do just give me an email with any questions. I will do my very best to assist. Uh, also on the cards, we have a new EU commissioner elected yesterday, um, which is quite interesting. Was that, was that today? I can't remember. Um, and I've just deleted the name. It's Ursula von... I'll get that up. Rob's going to Google it for me. Thanks very much. Um, and uh, she has interestingly said that she is open to an extension of uh, the negotiating period with the UK, which would be quite interesting and not something we would have thought Boris Johnson might have gone for until today, when it has been leaked that his uh, senior advisors say he may possibly go for another snap election to try and break out of the minority government that the Conservative parties are in. And Rob, who is the name of the new commissioner? Ursula? Ursula von der Leyen. Von der Leyen. Thank you very much. You're yes, welcome, so she's Michael. a German. Uh, she had a, another career as a very successful gynaecologist and has done pretty much everything uh, in life as you could do. One of these people who's just a you know, polymath who's one of those amazing folk. But, you know, like us, yeah. Yeah, she's not in the data IQ no, top 100. She's not, so, she's yeah. not that amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> just to get some perspective. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, again, the date of exit of the EU is the 31st of October, Halloween, spooky day. However, theoretically, if Boris Johnson wants a bit more time to negotiate and he thinks that a snap election will be something that he could use to uh, solidify a majority and be able to do what he wants after he comes back with the election with a, uh, a renewed majority, then maybe he might just do that. And we have a uh, cooperating partner on the EU side who says she might be willing to grant that. So, you know, we've had the whole leadership contest. These uh, two candidates, Jeremy Hunt and Boris Johnson, and all the other ones before that, were saying that we must leave on the 31st of August. Uh, sorry, 31st of October. But who knows? That could again be pushed backwards. And, you know, we're just in limbo forever and ever. Amen, it seems. But that's the political life at the moment. Um, as I say, we'll have a new Prime Minister next week, and then Parliament goes on holiday until early September. The Scottish Parliament, they're already on holiday. Um, and. Then they come back in September for two weeks, and then it's party conference season, so they go back off. So technically, the new 
Prime Minister has about five or six days to actually get uh, his Brexit deal through Parliament unless they want, uh, unless they're going for no deal or unless they extend. So, yeah, things are as always on the, as we say in the podcast, up in the air. But anyway, any questions about what is happening in the political sphere? Do not hesitate to get in touch. We work in Brussels, Westminster, and Scotland. So wherever you are, if you have a question about uh, anywhere, do just let us know. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to leave that there because I think the more interesting thing to do is to go on to talking again with our fabulous guests. And you guys have been doing something very special over the last couple of days. What have you been up to? Rob, please. So over the last couple of days um, has been DMA Scotland's Creative Data Academy mm. based up in, here in Edinburgh. Um, an amazing couple of days where some of the best and brightest students from not just this geographical area but further afield have come together to, to spend time meeting with um, business professionals within the data and marketing space, um, running, participating in workshops, getting to understand what's involved in the kind of day-to-day -day world of digital and data marketeers. Um, there has been some um, I think the best way of putting it, some light refreshments and networking last night mm -hmm. that we were all very happy to, to, to involve ourselves in. Yeah. And I've, I've heard something about bum bags Apparently, being, being prominent within, yeah, within... Bum bags have become a prominent feature, not just in, in, in Scottish leather, leisure circles. Leather, leather circles? <laughs> could be in Scottish leather circles. But I think most importantly, from a leadership perspective within the DMA, mm -hmm. I think now in the same way as officers have their pips, mm. DMA leaders have their bum bags. That's true, which is why Faraz is sporting a rather fashionable grey and luminous orange uh, bum bag with us today. How has that served you? Is it, is it going I well? Think, I think it's, it's, um, it's very important to embrace bum bags in a, in a time of, of such political uncertainty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said embrace the bum, embrace the bag. Yeah. <laughs> right, great. So uh, how has that been for you, Great Data Academy? What's, what's, what's been the Wonderful. most striking I mean, thing? Um, I think, as again, what Rob was saying, absolutely spot on is it's just a wonderful, eclectic mix of students, super switched on. They come from so many distant geographies. I was amazed at the different nationalities that were there. I was amazed at the different skill sets that they brought. There were people who were doing geography, people doing fashion. And that's the beauty of when you have, you know, such a wide range of people from different places, different you know, different different backgrounds. They bring such a different um, perspective perspective to mm. the table and a different you know kind of cultural yeah. baggage and uh, view on things sure. that makes things very interesting. I find and uh, and I love that. You know, it's a very you know it's not inclusive, just playing lip service to inclusivity. But this sure. is proper proper inclusivity, yeah. and I think it's great that. They're considering a career in data and marketing. Um, so I think I terrified them a little bit with my presentation. I think you terrified uh, them with your bum bag. Yeah, I'm on my bum bag. Yeah, probably more my bum bag yeah. than the presentation. I thought that was pretty scary too. But, yeah, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I mean, yeah. they, they, they plowed through. They, they made sure Rob instructed them very carefully to make sure they don't do any lobster handshakes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they did not do any lobster handshakes. Well, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Engaged with 
you know, a wonderful group of people who were there, mm. um, business business folk. So what, um, what, what's the, how does it how does it work? What do the what do these um, guys get? I was going to say kids, but they're not kids. They're some they're, they range in age yeah. quite a lot. Well, like I thought they were kids, and I did my presentation for kids, and then I realised that they're they're far more intelligent than I am. Mm. So I just had to. You know, up my game very, very quickly. Sure, sure. And the bum bag helped. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gives a bit of credibility. Yeah, sure. Totally. It shows age and, and wisdom and, yeah. and a kind of uh, lack of inhibition. Fair enough. Yeah. I think um, it, it's it's my third CDA now, um, and the one thing that I've, I think to come back to your original question, what, what do they gain out of it? Mm. I I would say that initiatives of this nature are becoming more and more important as we, uh, as a nation or as a, as a collective, look to position ourselves appropriately for what the future may hold. Um, I'm not, it, it, it's not the time or the place to get into chapter and verse over this hotly, dis- hotly report, reported, widely discussed skills mm-hmm. challenge problems. Yeah. But what these initiatives do is they give people who perhaps have a curiosity an opportunity to dip a toe in the water and test. Sure. And when you think about the commitment required for academic study or for career transition, mm. it, it's really nice that people have an opportunity to do a little bit of tasting of the testing of the waters, tasting of the waters, <laughs> dipping their toe in a little bit working on some briefs that would be applicable to data and digital marketing, yep. talking to practitioners within the industry, spending a few days immersing themselves in it before they make huge decisions. Sure. And on the other side of the coin, what we have seen, and I was talking to, uh, and a shout out here to Katrina, if you listen to the podcast, a friend of mine, mm. who we first met um, two, two, three years ago on, on a Creative Data Academy, yep. who's now um, taking her first steps as a, a data scientist with an organisation in Aberdeen. And her enthusiasm for this field was was absolutely uh, engendered through participation in the Creative Data. Amazing. And given an opportunity to have a little look and to think, yeah, this is really, really good and I want this. Mm. And from the other side of the slightly cynical commercial perspective, it gives organisations a a chance to influence the course of of travel of fresh talent, which more and more organisations do take a a bit more of a holistic view yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. So if you are an organisation that is interested in, in producing the best and the brightest, then I would always encourage anyone in that space to get involved in Creative Data Academy for the pure and simple reason that you get to influence the direction of travel mm-hmm. of an emerging cohort of fantastic talent. Yeah, to me, it's a no-brainer from a talent perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, obviously, you, um, from a day-to-day, this is your, your job, is to find new talent and point them in the right direction. What's the kind of general landscape in, well, in Scotland and the UK at the moment? Is it is the... Is there a plethora of opportunity for anyone wanting to get into the data sphere? Yeah, and I, I think to, to use the parlance of the industry, it's very much a candidate-driven market at the moment. Right. Um, what we are seeing is, is, is largely down to innovation within uh, organisational structure. Um, as more and more organisations move towards mm. firstly digitally driven and then data-driven decision-making, Yeah. Uh, the need for individuals with the kind of skills that we find at Creative Data Academy becomes yeah. more and more acute. Yeah. Um, you've either got traditional legacy businesses that are now starting to move from uh, the, the traditional form of decision making, put the boardroom table and fill it up and get some people to have a chat and then mm. decide what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, that's now been replaced by um, 
banks and banks of analysts, data and digital people who sure. are saying, oh, this is what we should do, the data tells us this. Yeah. But secondly, there has also been a much larger movement where more and more organisations, you know, the, the, the kind of classic unicorns out there, Skyscan and Fangio and further afield to Facebook. For so those not familiar at Unicorn, what's, it, what's, it, what's Unicorn? Um, it's like a horse, but it's got a point <laughs> <laughs> um, a, very, a very unique business that has, has grown and scaled um, largely down to some very uh, unique cultural properties within the business. And in this scenario, what we're talking about, if we stretch it out wider to, to things like Uber, um, yeah. we're looking at organisations that essentially are just huge data machines. Okay. You know, it's not as if Skyscanner make planes. But what they do is they use the data that comes from people's travel journeys mm. to present a unique proposition, a unique core sure. proposition. And they've been sold off for millions and millions. And there, there are other organisations like that. Mm. These organisations are unique in that more and more of the people who work there have to have the kind of digital and data skills that you would find within CDA members. Mm -hmm. um, the opportunities are boundless out there at the moment. And I think the direction of travel, and, and I, I don't buy into the robots are going to take all their jobs. Right. That, that to me is a nonsense, yeah. you know. I, what I see is that opportunities are boundless because what the data-driven revolution is doing, it's number one, changing the way that work is done within traditional businesses, but most importantly, it's creating a landscape that allows for opportunity, where you know, bright blocks with clever ideas, bright people can come together and say, look, we've got this data that tells us this thing, let's position a model or a product or a service mm. that's going to serve the needs of some folks that are out there. So. I think it's a, a hugely exciting time. There are unlimited opportunities out there, both in Scotland and the UK as well, and further afield. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we've, we've been doing with an MBN has been for organisations that are worldwide organisations. And that's, um, to me, it's a great sign for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And for us, what's your kind of periscopic view of the industry in, in Scotland in particular? Is it, is it our expanding places, a place where people should think about coming and uh, working if they're at the beginning stage of their career or what's, what's, the, what's the key? That's, the, that's what I was actually telling the guys in the Creative Data Academy is that I came to Edinburgh nine years ago as a filmmaker before I, I transformed into one of the top 100 people in data in the UK. Yeah. But before I did and I was, I, was, I was kind of like, you know, Edinburgh's a pretty cool place, it's really beautiful but it didn't really excite me. Okay. And now, on the back of everything happening with data, with the government being able to put money on the table mm. around data-driven innovation yeah. and big ambitions about you know Scotland being data capital of Europe, with a very vibrant ecosystem of which Rob is part of, we are part of, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, private, public universities, everybody's playing a part in, we now have an extremely vibrant community that's actually doing really exciting stuff. And it's not conceptual stuff or theoretical, hypothetical stuff. Mm -hmm. It is tangible things that will drive the success and the growth of the Scottish economy in the years to come and the wider British economy. Mm -hmm. So that is very exciting. You know, for, for me to be, I, I feel very fortunate actually to be in Edinburgh at this point in my life while all of this stuff is happening yeah. all around uh, all around me. Mm -hmm. The that excites me most about it is not so much data capital in Europe, but bomb capital in Europe. Yeah. I, th I, th I think definitely I think, I think, yeah, that, that, yeah. that should be 
That's a good. I hear that was like they, they were deciding between that for the campaign and the data one, and they just yeah, I don't know they, why they, they went with yeah, that. They just it's yeah. easier to spell. So that's four right. letters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think of it as you probably might mm. expect from a very cynical mercenary commercial perspective. Mm -hmm. And I spent the first 10 years of my career taking the best and brightest data talent in Scotland and shipping them down south. Mm. Right. The fantastic media organisations, consultancy organisations mm. in London. And I've noticed, and you'll have seen this as well for us, you, you, not only has that particular train stopped, but it's reversed. Mm, right. Okay. And now you are much more likely to have individuals coming from mm -hmm. not just London, but all over the UK for some of the opportunities that we're seeing in Scotland. Mm -hmm. Now, you're always going to have that London as a hub because it's a massive, it's, it's almost like a country in its own right. Yeah. But now the direction of travel can flow in both directions. Right. And that, to me, is it's testament to the work for us, as alluded to, that's taken place over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also testament to and I don't think this can ever be underestimated, the sense of community. Um, yes, from a, a, from a disparaging perspective, but if you want to be a little bit parochial about it, Scotland is a little bit like a little corner village. You know, it's, you know, it, it can be seen like that. Mm -hmm. And that, that's if you want to look at it with a negative lens. I look at it in a positive lens. And in a little village, you can walk four or five doors down, because I grew up in a little village, and you can walk five doors down, and you might not know those people too well, but you can chat at the door, and you know you're going to get help and assistance. Mm -hmm. but what we've seen here is almost like an organisational version of that, right. where companies, uh, public sector organisations, private sector organisations have come together over the last five or more years, um, and there has been a definite push to try and make this place uh, a unique entity. But that's, that's a very important point, because I think, and this is a point that Rachel, the MD of the DMA, always makes to me, is that the beauty about it is you could kind of wrap your arms around this community quite quickly. Whereas in bigger cities where you've got, you know, much, a larger number of players and, you know, it's very hard to kind of get your hand around it. Yeah. Whereas over here, yeah. and that village mm -hmm. feel actually plays to the advantage of yeah. the progress and the development of Absolutely. The, I remember being one of the first meetings I was in with you guys when uh, was up with Rachel and we were talking about how to I can't, arranging some event or something. We're like, okay, we need someone who does this, someone who does that, someone who does that. You all sort of looked at each other and was like, oh, I know. And then we had people who we needed on uh, yeah. on, on paper within yeah. about 30 seconds. So, yeah, there certainly is that the community feel that is a lot more accessible here. And I think but, there's a there's a mindset, there's an attitudinal, I don't know whether it's an attitudinal shift or it's just the unearthing of an attitude within individuals that I've, I've even noticed that where organisations that would traditionally regard themselves as competitors, mm -hmm. Are, are often, you know, they're friends behind the scenes, but for, for public consumption purposes, they cannot be seen to be too close to each other. And I'm talking here about some of the major corporation, corporate organisations in Scotland. Well, now what we're seeing is that they are starting to appear on the same stages, they are starting to appear at the same conferences, they are starting to appear on the same panels. It's almost as if that, and I don't want to paint too overly rosy a picture here yeah. because it's obviously, it's obviously not all flowers and bunny rabbits but however you are seeing collaboration you are seeing competitor organisations coming together to achieve, achieve a common goal now I look at it from the perspective of, of, of talent obviously and what I've seen over the course of the last you know, definitely five years has been more and more organisations taking part in community led initiatives that lead to everyone winning if there's a loser and a winner, you're never going to get people to play together. But if everybody sees that there's a win in it for them, mm. and that seems to be the attitude that's, that's kind of prevailing at the moment, and I think that's a great thing. I mean, it's 
as I say, it's not always flowers and honey rabbits, but it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got bum bags. Yeah, and, and that's we got uh, bum bags. ultimately that's the main thing. Yeah. 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 Taking it back, sorry. For no, and, and I just wanted to add on to that as well because we're, we're experiencing also really interesting growth within the fintech sector up in Scotland yeah. and all the startup communities. And usually people come with a very one-sided view to the, to the argument to say, you know, it, will the fintechs overtake the large financial services player and completely destroy them? Mm. It's like, okay, so we could get over that conversation and start talking like adults. Yeah. <laughs> but back, back to what Rob was saying is when these two players start playing nicely with each other, mm -hmm. actually you could start creating really wonderful things where yeah. you could do really transformational things on the one hand, bring in fresh ideas and fresh perspectives. Yeah. But at the same time, introduce ideas around scalability, you know, that the big financial players could actually bring to the table, sure. you know, to be able to kind of roll out uh, services on a wider scale. A huge shout out to our friend Stephen Engelger, yes. um, who's doing some amazing work in this space at the moment. He's chair of FinTech Scotland. Absolutely. And a top guy who really has embraced this, he's driven this mm -hmm. idea of collaboration and community through the FinTech community. Um, and he's you know, doing some wonderful work. Absolutely, top rope and some good stuff. Excellent. I'm going to take it back to talent just for a second. So, seeing as we have a few fine minds here, don't yes. know if you guys know, no, but no, no. these guys were in the uh, top data IQ. Fine minds minute. over there. <laughs> do, do the other people in this I don't place think the other people know that we are? Do they realize? Well, we I, don't, I, I put up a sign outside, but I don't, you know, I'm so, sorry, I didn't have enough time to yeah. you know, get TVs printed well, off and handed around. But I think we need a bit of self. Yeah. We can think of a theme tune for next time, we'll do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, taking it back to talent once more, um, what top tips would you give people of, well, particularly younger people, thinking about moving into the data sphere, maybe from a technical background, but maybe from somewhere completely um, unrelated to data, what, what can they do to you know, take that first step into the, uh, into the sector and be successful? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go? Do you want to do one, 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 and we'll see when shall we, we? Shall we? Yeah, okay, let's, let's do so one, 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 first. one, yeah. one. Yeah. Right. My one would be don't be scared. I'm a guy who's a filmmaker and an artist and um, bum bag enthusiast. Bum bag enthusiast mm -hmm. slash uh, top influencer. Yeah. yeah. So before and data one, data IQ one hundred. Yeah, the, totally. Yeah. You know. So I think that the biggest challenge that I had in my data life was. To not be, um, to not be scared of data, okay. and that was actually the question that my boss asked me before I got my first data job. Well, are you scared? Are, of data? are you scared of data? I had yeah. no idea. Like on a technical level, I knew nothing about the team that I was going to manage, uh, and I was I was freaking out. But you know, I'm not scared of it. And when you're not scared of it, then you start trying to find ways to be able to address that and mm -hmm. to educate yourself. So don't be scared of data. Don't be, don't be thrown away by technical terms and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm totally out of my depth. Um, yeah, okay. one, over to you. And I return the serve with, uh -huh. data is a huge space. Hmm. There are, and I'll say roughly off the top of my head, dozens of different types of data pairs. Hmm. On one side of the spectrum, you might have the, the, the kind of traditional mathematical person who, who looks at algorithms and statistics all day. And on the extreme other end of the spectrum, you might find somebody who, who, who doesn't really do that at all. You know, they might, they might be able to interpret the outputs of the first set of people, 
but their job is maybe just working with the business and working with stakeholders mm. to, to kind of tell a story. Yeah. And somewhere in the middle, you've got another huge group of people whose job is very much more around the building and the engineering of the solution. So for anybody thinking about coming into the industry, don't think about it as a single job. Mm -hmm. Think about it as a, a family of jobs that correlate. And there can be a number of different avenues of approach and a number of different, different routes to success. Fabulous. He's I would go, oh, oh, so that's an ace, he's just out. Yeah. <laughs> New balls, please. <laughs> 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 oh, it started to rain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I would say again back to the to the whole thing about inclusivity is mm -hmm. that you know people of different skill sets have a role to play. So back to my example, I was a filmmaker, mm -hmm. so I could bring storytelling to data. So that became a very interesting thing for me to explore. Is yeah. how do I transfer that as a skill? Yeah into my ability to be able to work with data. I might not necessarily know how to technically, you know, manipulate data, mm -hmm. but I'm able to tell stories around it. Sure. So, and, and that kind of, that kind of complements what Rob was saying, is Absolutely, that everybody yeah. could find their space. Data mm -hmm. is not one thing. Yeah. It's not one, you know, it doesn't require one type of skill set. Absolutely. But multiple. And this is what we'll, we'll when we next get you guys together for the podcast, we'll talk about value of data, but that's very much about trying to almost put a name or a number on what data is because there's just so much that it can be. And yeah. that is, as much as that is something celebrating, that is the perfect, exam perfect example here. There's just so much to be done uh, and to do. Um, you know, there's, there's conversations to be had about um, how we can kind of uh, better define and, um, you know, give more opportunities even um, because of that. So, Rob, any, any last thoughts? Oh, loads. All right, okay, keep going, sorry. Yeah, I thought, the match continues. All right. Let's, let's All right. <laughs> so I would then say, whether or not you're, you're in education or whether you're working in, in another industry sector at the moment, take any opportunity you can to play with data. Now, if it's something as rudimentary as building an Excel spreadsheet and, and trying to look at the patterns within the numbers, all the way up to maybe taking on a little bit of extra work that might get your hands a little bit dirty with data. Um, if you want to come into the industry and if you're interested in the industry, have a mess around first. Okay. Um, because not only will it give you an idea, as the Creative Data Academy does, as whether or not it's the right industry for you, but also when you do start meeting with organisations, one of the first things they're going to ask you is, well, what have you done already? And if you say, well, I've never actually had a job in this space, but look what I've been playing around with at home. I'll mm -hmm. show you my laptop. Look what I've got. Mm -hmm. That could be a massive boost. Great. That's over to me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna compliment that as well mm -hmm. to say that most of the recruitment that I do, I look for people who are genuinely passionate about data, mm -hmm. not necessarily a degree. Okay. I'm looking more for people who like back to Rob what Rob was saying, who like to play around and are not scared to play around with data. Mm -hmm. Uh, if they have bum bags, obviously that's that's preferable. Yeah, exactly. But like that aside, sure. I think it's very important to, you know, for 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 me as an employer mm -hmm. to know that somebody is genuinely passionate and has the drive. For example, right now I've been recruiting for the past few years solely out of our call center. People who have no data skills, they but you know what they have? They've got a sharp and a very deep knowledge mm -hmm. and, a, and, a, and a, you know, a, a, 
you know, a cold face experience yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, customers. So they, when when people in our industry talk about customer, they talk about the customer mm-hmm. like it's some mythological creature, you know. Um, but actually, these guys are with the customer day in, day out, every hour, trying to address the issues, trying to, sure. and they understand products and sometimes products could be very complex things. I work in pensions. Pension products are very complex types of products mm. and they have to work with data. Yeah. Whether they acknowledge it as data in the way that we're talking about or not, you know, it is, it is, it is data. And so they, I am, I'm very happy to, to, to bring these different people who typically you maybe not think that they are right. would make good data people yeah, train yeah. them up a little bit know that they have the passion and the willingness to learn have a you know have a have a good head on their shoulders and and crack on mm. you know what does that passion for data look like does it does, is it typical or is there is it kind of manifest in many ways well i think back back to what rob was saying is that if you don't show them what it is how could they get passionate about it sure so it's about like a lot of the times when i recruit i make you know, people poster poster boys and poster girls mm. to just say, this is a trajectory that this person has gone through. Yeah. You might have not thought of this trajectory, but if you are interested, get in touch. And then they start getting a bit more curious yeah. to find out. Mm. Create a Creative Data Academy. They hear from a whole raft of different practitioners, mm. talking about a whole raft of different subjects. Some stuff could be very boring for them, but then other stuff perks their interest a little bit. And that's what I try to, as much as possible, push people within like Creative Data Academy mm-hmm. towards. Be yourself, follow what you're actually passionate about. Yeah. Don't try to be another person tweaking their CV to just fit a specific profile of a candidate that's been formulaically set out sure. by an organization. Mm-hmm. Sell yourself as yourself with all the, 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 the different edges that you have with all the different interests that you have and demonstrate how passionate you are and, and how much you want to be able to contribute. Mm. Rob, and, and, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm going to go, Rob, I'm going to go to you for Rob. one more and then we're going to wrap up. I, I think just following I, I on. I rambled forever. That was like about 10 in one. So That's I'm okay. going to probably win this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'm the umpire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm, actually, I'm actually going to pick up on a point that the Faraz made there, which was to do with poster boys and poster girls. Mm. I would say for anybody interested in coming into the industry at this point, it has never been a better time to look at the success stories that are out there. I, I mean, I've, I've been doing this kind of thing, you know, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it would have been quite difficult to find examples of where data-driven decisioning had, had made huge impacts in organisations. Now, there's not a week goes by without somebody mm. else becoming the new poster girl or poster mm. boy or some new success being trumpeted. Do your research, get out there, find and it's not hard to find stories or examples of of where organizations have done brilliant things or individuals have spearheaded brilliant campaigns using data don't be scared to do your research don't be scared to have your your heroes and heroines and don't be scared to you know to try and follow in their footsteps and then carve your own path now is the time to do it you know it's 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 a a fantastic space with lots of amazing players get in there and join the party amazing one final question which will either justify or uh, expose you for frauds in the Data IQ oh, Top 100. I think we know what way this is going to go, don't we? Well, I'm, I'm a fraud, because before you even ask the question, I could say I'm a fraud <laughs> outright. 
All right, last question. What is the singular for data? Data is the plural. What's the singular? Datum. All right. Did you know that? Did you know that, Fran? No, datum. Datum. No, no, that, that mate, mate. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm adding on 50 points no. to whatever you're on in there. Do I get in a the, free bum bag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No. So, yeah. <laughs> no, in fact, I'm going to take your bum bag. That's how bad that was. <laughs> <No. laughs> That's not well, a good example of anti-disestablishmentarianism. I know, I know. And I wanted to get onto anti-disestablishmentarianism. Could well, we, could we, we, could we, we would love to do that. We're going to have to save that for another too. podcast. Is it another um, podcast? Exactly. Oh, man. And if you listeners can guess the words that these people were trying to fit into the whole podcast please don't write in because it's very blatantly obvious anyway um, it has been an absolute pleasure gentlemen thank you very much for coming thank on thank you Michael thanks for having us um, as ever if you want to get in touch with me or Faraz or Rob um, uh, I will uh, actually yeah, get, get, yeah how can they get in touch with you how, yeah. if they want to chat with you yes. if they want to say I want to get into data whatever how can they well we're find all you? over the interweb mm. yeah so right. the interweb that's what they're calling it these days yeah <laughs> <laughs> that interweb thing yeah. <laughs> so with, with myself if you're on LinkedIn I'm Robin Huggins mm-hmm. MBN Solutions on Twitter I'm at Rob Hug mm. uh, on Instagram I'm RH0770 uh, wow that's Okay, fair enough. Faraz, how do we yeah, find you? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn predominantly, uh, so I'm Firas Kneiser. Kneiser, I think you'll find us. Kneiser. On LinkedIn, so get in touch, definitely. Don't go to my Instagram account, there are things that are not for your age. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I think you made it sound a lot worse that. than it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. And you're also on Twitter as Faraz Hanasia. Mm-hmm. I am actually, but yeah. I don't use Twitter, so I get a lot of messages from people, but I answer them like three years later. So mm. that's that's pretty. Well, bad. anybody who's listening now, you expect a response back in what 2022? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's pretty decent. That's I fine. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Great. Well, uh, and if you have anything about uh, any questions about politics or any ideas of what you think should be on the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, please do let me know. Um, you can get me on my DMA email, which is michael.sturrock at dma.org.uk. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Michael Sturrock, all one word. Please use the hashtag DMA Polpod when you are tweeting about the podcast and tag the DMA account at DMA underscore UK. Um, and I think that's it. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you.